You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. I'm quite looking forward to this week's episode on cash flow planning because in my experience, cash flows out of my bank a lot more easily than it flows in. Maybe I can learn to do more of the planning to change that balance. Simon, am I on the right track with today's topic? Uh, You are indeed, Bex, but I'm hopefully going to expand your horizon somewhat over the course of the next 25 minutes or so. I want you to start, though, with us maybe trying to tackle this topic from a biblical perspective to make sure that we don't get too sidetracked by money and cash for its own sake. Would that be okay? I'm so glad you've said that because immediately a couple of verses have come to mind which I think can tell us some important things about planning for the future. So the first one is Luke 14 where Jesus says this in verses 28 to 30. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And then there's a parable in Luke 12, 13 to 21, which I think is worth saying in full. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The grind of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns to build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Both of those are great examples of principles of financial planning from the Bible. Albeit, both of them have a bit of a negative context and we can learn a lot from them. Actually, there are two others that come to mind for me. Um, Proverbs 31, a section about the wife of noble character. In verses 16 to 21, it says this. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. I'll skip a little bit here. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are covered in scarlet, which I interpret to mean she's done a good job of giving them some decent clothes when it gets cold outside. And then we have this bit in Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So from these various verses in various contexts, we can begin to pull out topics of planning for the future, of providing for family, of inheritance, of generosity, 
but also the warnings of greed or laziness, haste or lack of planning. So where shall we start today? Why don't you give us an overview of what cash flow planning is from your professional perspective? And then we can revisit some of these biblical principles and weave them in as we discuss things. Sure. So put simply, I would explain cash flow planning as a budget for the whole of your life. And we all know how important a budget is. And when we've spoken about budgeting in the past, we've discussed how you track your income, that money coming in, and and then your expenditure, perhaps on a monthly basis, trying to make sure that we don't overspend. And in fact, that we then start to put some money aside for the future. Yes, we've talked about building up an emergency fund, about setting money aside for bigger expenses like holidays, replacing cars or even buying a house. And we had a more free range conversation about planning for expenses like Christmas and birthdays. So already we've been discussing planning our future cash flow. Now, in the short term, you don't spend all the money you earn on the first day of the month when you know that you're going to have to buy food in a couple of weeks time. And then you don't spend all of this month's money if you know there's going to be a big bill coming up next month. You might set aside some income this month to go towards next month's bill. And then as you get even better at budgeting, then you might put aside money every month to pay for Christmas or for renewing your car or house insurance, or even for the holiday you plan on taking next year. But you said that cash flow planning is more like a budget for life. How is that different from what we've been talking about already? The two big factors are time and inflation. Now, it's one thing to say, try and set aside £100 a month so that in a year you have enough to pay for a holiday. It's on a whole different scale to say to maybe a 20-year-old, I want you to set aside money for your retirement, which is going to be in decades' time. Straight away, a whole set of new questions crop up that are really difficult to answer. Questions like, how much should I be setting aside? And and where should I set it aside? And when am I going to retire anyway? How much will I need in retirement? And how long will I need that money to last? Personally, I'd love you to answer some of those questions, Simon, because that would be incredibly helpful to me. In fact, I reckon that from all I've learned from you over the past year or so, I could maybe answer one of those questions. And that would be where should I put money for retirement? So I would say that using a pension would be one of the best places, but that it's not the only place. Is that right? Indeed. Pensions are a great place to save money up for retirement. They're very tax efficient, which means that you'll pay less tax and so keep more of your own money. But they come with certain restrictions, like when you can access your money. Spot on, Bex. Well done. But that answers only one of those questions and and the easiest one as well. And then retirement is actually only one consideration for most people of of many considerations. They might also want to maybe buy a house one day or move house in the future. They might want to have children or adopt or foster children. They might want to plan on actually leaving some money behind as an inheritance to family or friends or charity. They might have elderly parents who need care now or in the future, and they have to plan for that as well. Now, Each of those different objectives come with their own different set of questions about how much and when and for how long and where to put the money. The process of lifetime 
cash flow planning is to try and put all of these factors together and come up with a simple model to manage it all. You say a simple model, Simon, but surely nothing with that many factors can really be simple. So the work that goes into making the plan, the model of the future, can be really complex and take time and effort. But the end result can be a fairly simple model. Let me try and explain. In my professional life, I use a bit of software. It's called Truth, which is designed to build this complex model and then track progress against it on an ongoing basis. Let people see how they're doing in a very visual way. Now, there's a version of this called Truth About Money, which helps investors like you, like our listeners, those that don't have an advisor, to start to build their own model. Now, it works a bit like this, and you'll start to see the analogy, the parallel with budgeting. So you need to input how much you earn, and then how much you spend on the day-to-day essentials. Now, planning for the future financially only really works if you have some money left over each month that you can set aside for savings, for investments, for pension. Or for those people that don't have a regular income, maybe the self-employed, but they can occasionally set aside chunks of money. It can still work for them. And then in the model, you start to add various factors, such as when you would hope to retire and how much you'd like to have as an income in retirement, if that's one of your goals. Now, at this stage, it's totally worth pointing out, the future is ultimately totally unknown to us. So we cannot plan for it perfectly. It's one of the points that Jesus made in that parable of the rich fool. He thought his future was secure, which was far from the truth. The parable doesn't say it's wrong to plan, but the planning for life without God is no good at all. So when we plan, at best, we're making a guess about our future and then working towards planning for that guess of what the future might hold. That reminds me of the verse in James 4, 13 to 15. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And our planning should be exactly like that. Submitted to God, held lightly. It is ultimately his plan that will prevail, not ours. But I firmly believe that if we plan to do God's will both now and in the future, and if we are wise with the resources that he has given us, then it'll be a much better outcome for all concerned. Just like that wife of noble character. Absolutely. So we start this process with our best guess of what the future might look like for us. So perhaps if I was going to do this for myself, I might start like this. I'm going to retire at the age of 67, four months and 15 days. Hang on, why are you getting so specific when you literally just said that we can't really plan for the future, but only guess? Okay, for that one example, there's a very sensible reason why I have chosen that particular 
age because it happens to be the age when my state pension is going to start. Why would a state pension start at 67 years, four months and 15 days exactly? So almost forever, the state pension has been around, the state pension would start on your birthday. It might have been 60 or 65. In recent years, it's been pushed back to 66 and then 67, and it's heading towards 68. Now, I happen to be one of those people who is in a transition phase. They haven't jumped from 67 all the way to 68 in one go. So my state retirement age at present happens to be 67, four months and 15 days. As ever, you're always an exception. Why, thank you, Bex. So I can at least add that to my plan. If I work until then, I know I'm going to start to get my state pension. I can also then put into my plan how much my state pension is likely to be based on at least today's figures. Now, all that information comes from the government state pension website, both when I'm going to retire. So if you're worried, go check it out. And also how much I might get when I retire. But surely the state pension in, what, 20 years from now is going to be different from what it is today. Inflation could do all sorts of things between now and then. Absolutely. So one of the assumptions that I have to make in my model, and actually the truth about money modeling software does this automatically, I'm going to assume that everything in my life, unless there's very good reason, is going to go up by inflation. So if I have eventually worked for the 35 years that I need to, and I get the full state pension, which today is just over £9,660 a year, then I will assume that this amount will go up by inflation each year and still be worth about the same in terms of purchasing power in 20 odd years time. But then I'm also going to assume the same inflationary effect on the stuff I spend money on. So if it costs me, let's say, £100 to go to the shops and buy a shopping for the whole family now, or if it costs me £300 to insure my car now, or if it costs me £2,000 per year on gas and electricity now, then I will assume that all of those costs roughly are going to increase by inflation by the time I come to retire. So the ratio between what I'm getting in and what I'm going out kind of stays the same. Now, of course, none of those assumptions are actually going to be true. But we're making a best guess at the moment. We're not going for perfect accuracy, which we can never get. We're just guessing what the future might hold. Now, of course, some of my current expenses will change over time. For example, at the moment when we go shopping, we're buying food for a family of five. In 20 years time, it might just be my wife and I. So our food bills will probably go down. I can maybe plan for that in my model. <laughs> also going down will be our babysitting costs. Not so much on that. I won't need quite such a big car to drive them all around in. But maybe we'll spend some more money eating out. Or, the chance will be a fine thing, going to the theatre. So some things come down, some things go up. Now, I've got a mortgage at the moment, which should be paid off sometime before I retire. In fact, the current rate I'm paying off may be in 10 years' time. So I can model that in 10 years' time, I'm going to have some spare money, which I could perhaps then redirect towards my retirement. And in fact, that might mean I could then retire sooner than age 67 years, 4 months and 15 days. Let's be honest, Simon. I think from now on, we should just celebrate your birthday 4 months and 15 days exactly after your birthday. Just as a wee fun financial reminder. 
So back to the point, building this cash flow model is going to do what exactly for us? How does this end up being a simple model? The simplicity comes in what the model then shows you. Once you've plugged in all your best guesses, your plans for the future, times when you'll need more or less money, how much you are putting into your pension, how much your employer is putting into your pension, then the model makes certain assumptions for you. For example, that money in your pension or in any investments you have will be assumed to grow and not just grow by inflation, but to grow by more than inflation. It's going up in real terms. Now, we have no idea how much it will actually go up by, and that will depend on how you're investing your money. Refer to our other published works for details. But we can expect that it will go up and down year by year, but over time, it will on average go up. And with a model assuming some kind of growth, money we put in now will be worth more to us in the future. Now, what the model will then do is it will produce a graph, a chart, a visual aid to help you understand what your financial future might look like. So visualize, if you can, a simple line graph that shows you how much money you have now, and that might include money in the bank, money in maybe an ISA if you've got one, even money in your pensions. And then hopefully a line that is going up over time into the future as you keep working, as you keep saving into your pensions and your investments, and is also going up because of the growth on those pension and investments. At some point in the future, typically around about the point you retire, the line will peak and it will start coming down again because you're going to start spending your money. You start drawing on your pensions, on your ISAs, which actually is the topic of our next episode. Your overall worth will therefore start to come down. Now, at some point in the future, the line might actually reach zero or even go negative. Now, that will imply that you are projected to one day run out of money. Then let's say, for example, that happens when you're 100. So the model is saying you've got enough money to do all the things that you've told the model you want to do until age 100. And you might think, well, you know what? I'm not going to live to age 100. That's absolutely fine. But if the line goes negative, maybe when you're 80, you might need to make some changes to your plans, how much you spend now or in the future, how much you're going to save in the future, even how you invest your money. Setting aside more so that you don't run out of money too soon. And so what is a good age to aim for? How long are we likely to live? Well, you... Bex are likely, on average, to live longer than me. Not just from now, but in terms of your age when you die. You're female. Females, on average, have a longer life expectancy than males. And you're also younger. And generally, life expectancy is growing over time. Babies born now have a much higher chance of living to age 100 than, for example, I do. Now, the webpage to go to to find the best guess is the Office of National Statistics page called How Long Will My Pension Need to Last? And what you do is you plug your age in there, you plug in if you're male or female, and it will give you an idea of your life expectancy. So mine, as of today, is age 86. I'm more than halfway there now. Uh, but yours is 90. You've got, you've got ages to go yet, Bex. Don't worry about it. Delighted at all that life ahead of me. 
And what if the plan shows that there's more than enough money so the line is still positive way after 100, say? So then you've got some other choices to make. You might decide, for example, to retire earlier. Now, that will mean you'll spend less time saving money up so the, the line won't peak quite so high or quite so late. You're going to peak earlier. And then you've got more life ahead of you to spend it. So the line starts coming down faster, as long as it doesn't come down so fast that you run out before average life expectancy, or even maybe a few years after average life expectancy. Or you could choose to be more generous with your money. If you've got more than enough, then why not give more of it away, either now or in the future? But fundamentally, Bex, there's only two things you can ever do with your money. You either spend it or you give it away. Everything else is just a holding ground until you spend it or give it away. And as you said, when we die, we're going to give it all away anyway, aren't we? I mean, we can't take it with us, but if we give it away now, isn't there a risk that we'll run out of money in the future? Why not just wait until we're dead? I think that's more an issue of faith rather than of finance. I'm sure many of us will know somebody who has made a life choice which errs on the side of faith rather than errs on the side of finance, shall we say. Maybe those who've given up a well-paid career to serve on mission or work in a less well-paid job for a church or for a charity. Or, Or those people who are just so generous, you think they're really well off, but they only just have enough to get by themselves. They just love giving money away. And Paul's letters are full of commendations to those who have been generous, despite being in need themselves. I would prefer to put my trust in God, who is unchanging, totally reliable, rather than putting my trust, and we're talking here about you know, a deep-seated trust for the future, rather than put my trust in pensions or the tax system or investments in stocks and shares, which ultimately are all very changeable and don't guarantee us a secure future. And recording in November 2022, I think we've all just seen just how quickly those things can change. So that is such a helpful reminder as to where we are placing our trust. So before we sign off for the week, are there any other quick tips you want to give us? And maybe we could refer back to some of those verses that we discussed at the start of the episode. Okay, yeah, a tough question to answer is how much is enough how much am I going to need in the future how much do I need now to be honest and if you ask someone in the first world how much you'll get a very different answer from somebody in the third world so one of our jobs is to pray talk to family maybe talk to friends find out as best we can from God how much he thinks is enough for us that we don't put our trust in money before him And then with the rest, be generous. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Generosity is the antidote to greed of storing up your treasure in big barns and bigger barns. Do not let greed take a hold of our heart, for the love of money is a root of all kinds 
of evil. I think it's okay to plan for the future, to plan for retirement. Most of us these days will live longer than we're able to work. And we should make provision for ourselves, not become dependent on family, friends, or the church. But I would say don't let that become the be-all and end-all of your planning. When you can afford to retire, consider how you can continue to serve God in your retirement. And then the last point I'll touch on is actually about inheritance. But because it's such a massive topic, we're going to have a whole episode dedicated to it in two episodes time. And on the topic of planning for the future, we're going to be covering the accumulation strategy in our next episode. And I, for one, have no idea what that means. And I'm not even convinced accumulation is a word or whether I'm saying it right. So I await Simon's attempt to convince me of all those things and to clarify the pronunciation on that. So join us then or get in touch beforehand, whether you are asking about accumulation or anything else by emailing where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or sending us a message on Instagram at where your treasure is podcast. Christmas is coming up. It's much more important to think about the real meaning of Christmas and not about your money. So we'll give you a break and we'll see you in the new year. And that is a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from him. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go. 